Today on We Need to Talk, we have another part about phobias. This is probably going to be the last part, but hey, you guys stay tuned because we're going to talk about more phobias. We need to talk. So as far as fears for myself, uh, I guess there's a couple. Uh, one fear I have is a fear of sleeping. Uh, kind of not really, but uh there's this kind of like little mind worm that gets to be sometime where it's like I start thinking about sleep and sleep is just a weird thing like people don't realize how weird sleep is like you just just check out of reality for about eight hours or so and you hallucinate and then you wake up like nothing happened and you just kind of go about your day like it's just a weird sort of thing and the other thing with sleep too is it's almost like you have exited reality like if if you if you hadn't, if you didn't remember your dreams, from your point of view, what sleep is, you close your eyes and then you wake up, you know, and you're in a different state of mind. Like maybe you're groggy or maybe you're awake, who knows what. But it, it's almost kind of like uh, you died temporarily and were brought back to life. And so my biggest fear with sleep is dying in my sleep uh, and just never coming back. And, you, you know, like you exit and then you're just gone. Some people just say the way they want to die is in their sleep. To me, that sounds horrifying because that's no control to myself. I don't have any choice in that matter. And that just seems like, I don't know, this is absolutely terrifying to me is uh, that, that that prospect. And so uh, there's been times in my life where I have kind of kept myself awake because part of my brain is convinced that if I go to sleep, I'm going to die uh, or I might not wake up. So, you know, the only way to control that is by staying awake. Now, this is mostly when I'm really sleep deprived or when I was younger, especially, but I'm trying to say it's it's a very irrational sort of thing. It's not something that happens often, but when I do get affected by those thoughts, it's really annoying to combat. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of dying because like, there's nothing I can do about it if that's the case. Mm -hmm. So like, it is what it is. I'll never even know that that happened. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. For me, I want to come to terms with with myself, and we may have had this conversation before. But it's Probably. like I would prefer to die, like, and be aware of it, like acknowledge it, and kind of give my little farewell in my, in my head, like I'm dying. Like, obviously, I wouldn't want to like do it in a horrific way. But if it was horrific compared to like not, I'd rather do not. You know, mm. probably the better way to die. You know, and be aware of it is like they inject you with the morphine and then you just kind of get the, the the fading light out and then you can kind of like be aware before that. But, you know, I, I'd rather I'd rather get into a car crash, kind of lose half my body, kind of look down at my guts down below and say, oh, geez, this is the end and then die that way as opposed to die in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And that I know most people don't agree with. They're like they don't see any like why I want to die and suffer and feel all that pain. Well, it's not about the pain. It's about, you know, being aware of my future non-existence. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that's that's the one I could think of. I can think of another one probably, but I want to know if you have any. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't like the idea of like, fingernails being ripped off like i would literally rather lose my whole finger 
Like I'm less I'm less squeamish thinking about like my finger being chopped off than I am about somebody like taking my fingernail and ripping it backwards and off. Hmm. Like that is way more uncomfortable to me. It's not really a fear, um, but I just I think that's weird and interesting that that is more uncomfortable to me than a more drastic thing. Um, hmm. Yeah, that one's kind of interesting too because like getting a finger ripped off, like you can't really repair that, but the fingernail getting ripped off, I mean, they'll grow back eventually. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that, that's something oh, that's, intriguing. That's a weird one. Uh, I the I mean, the biggest fear that I end up having is just like other people dying, people that I care about dying. Um, the the only fear I have of myself dying is that I just feel really bad because if I like go out somewhere and I die, like my cat will never know why I never came home. And mm-hmm. that's literally the saddest thing in the fucking world to me. So that's the only fear I have of myself dying is like my animal not knowing that I just, I didn't come home because I died. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of think about that stuff too. Like I'm more worried about the small things than like the, the big things, mm. uh, which not, not to say that that would be a small thing necessarily, but like you would think that the death of yourself would be a bit larger than the impact it would have, like say on, on your cat. But you know, it being universal kind of interesting, I think kind of maybe reveals a little bit about your psyche too. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I could think of here as well. And this, this is a pretty common one. As far as we didn't see on the list, uh, the fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very normal sort of natural fear. It's, one that I've experienced on occasion, but I think everybody has to some degree, right? But, but to what effect is is another, right? If if I'm out in the middle of the woods and it's dark out, like I might be fine if it's pretty good lighting out there. But if it's not, like like we're kind of in the New England region, there's definitely animals that might attack you, or mm-hmm. at least cause you trouble. If, if you step onto like bear territory where you're not certain and they got cubs, like that bear's going to attack you. Mm-hmm. And so th- there is some chance of that. Also, just not being aware of what you're seeing because maybe you step onto something and then you slip and fall, hurt your head, you know, whatever it might be. So that that's definitely something for me. And, and every once in a while, I think this is mostly when my anxiety is high. Uh, there's, there's times when I drink way too much caffeine and way too caffeinated at night. And it's dark out, and then my, my my brain just starts hearing things that don't really exist, or rather, it's taking things that I'm hearing and it's kind of amplifying them, trying to figure it out, like these tiny little nuances, and it's just kind of inserting. Like you might think you hear a voice or hear somebody, like you know, a door open at your place, but you're really not hearing that. It's just some weird sound you're amplifying, but it can still start messing with your head and you start thinking things are there that aren't and all that sort of stuff. So fear of the dark, I think we'd be a big one too. Uh, have you ever had that sort of uh, experience with fear of dark? Not as much. Uh, the only times I have was when I'm in like a somnambulic state, but like hunting, you walk into the woods in the dark, like before sunrise. So I'm used to walking around in the woods in the pitch black. Um, and it's not, I, it's not super scary for me. There was one time this year that I heard st- something like moving in the woods off to the right of the trail I was walking on. 
And that was a little sketchy, but I just stopped and waited and listened. But it could be literally anything. It could be a squirrel waking up. It could be literally anything. So, you know, um, but the there's only a couple of times that I've woken up and feel like in my dream, like I heard a door open. And then when I woke up, I'm like, but was that me being woken up by a real sound? So is there somebody like who just broke into my house or whatever? Mm -hmm. And then I'm just quiet and listening and seeing if I hear anything. And then eventually you have to go check. So getting up and just going and seeing if there's anybody in the house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I suppose one big difference of what we're talking about right now is we're talking about general fears, not so much phobias. Mm -hmm. Because I guess a fear is somewhat like a fear could be irrational but it also could be rational like fear the dark like that has a very rational basis because you can't see in the dark like who knows what could be there now thinking there's like a boogeyman there when obviously there's not that that's that that's an irrational fear but you know if you're walking through the woods and you're afraid about animals that that's very rational mm-hmm. but in, in your instance of hunting i guess you have a gun i guess that kind of no no bow and arrow oh well you still got something so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you try knocking a bow, knocking an arrow, attaching your release, drawing and aiming and shooting while a coyote is running at you. Are you trying to say that's like super easy? Cause that's no, cool I'm it saying, is. I'm saying it's absurd. Oh, the, just the, even the thought of it, you'd have better luck just taking, like try taking the arrow out of the quiver and trying to stab the thing. Ooh. You got like bow daggers. Yeah. Well, I've thought arrow about daggers. this, so. Bow daggers, bow daggers. <laughs> got my dared bow daggers. You stab him with the bow. <laughs> it's one just with the bow. bow itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take the strength. I mean, that would fucking hurt. Hmm. It's got 50, 60, 70 pounds of draw. Hmm. True. True. Uh, are, are there any other fears you can think of? Because I can actually think of a couple more myself. Go for it. Uh, so, w- one, well, actually, I see anything in this list right here. There's actually fear of sleep. Sorry, I'm going to get distracted. I'm over-caffeinated. Uh, so, I myself have had some weird existential fears. Uh, and most of these I thought of when I was, like, in middle school and high school. I'm not saying I'm a special in any sort of way because I probably just picked up sort of these ideas from, like, cultural ether. Like, it's just talked about everywhere, like the Matrix and stuff. But, Two that affected me. One was that everybody around me is just kind of uh, messing with me or they're robots and mm-hmm. I'm like the only real one in a way. Like the Truman Show type deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you're put into this world. It may not even revolve around me is the thing though. Like in the Truman Show, like the whole thing revolves around you. Mm-hmm. Here, it may not even revolve around me. I'm just kind of stuck in this kind of universe somehow and like everyone says like these robots and i'm not even aware of it or like, like i think i'm dealing with real people but i'm not uh and i guess it goes to like the idea of like a philosophical zombie like the philosophical zombie is an idea that like you could have somebody who talks like a human acts like a human but who is unconscious on the inside and what does that mean for your interactions with them you're kind of interacting with a zombie there are refutations of that, so let's be clear with that. But th- that's an idea c- that kind of frightened me a bit back in the day because I would just be talking to people and just feeling like, are you actually real? Does any of this actually exist? Have you been like plagued by any sort of like existential thoughts like that yourself? 
Yeah. I mean, I've had that, had that thought, but I think it's a very self-centered way to think mm-hmm. that, oh, I'm the only person that's real. That just seems ludicrous. And then on top of that, if it is, then it is. Like, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is do the best in this world with the information that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I think that's how I kind of came to grips with it a little bit. Because, like, if there is a devil pulling strings or something to that effect, that's kind of Descartes' uh, demon, where, you know, everything that happens is the result of the demon. Truman Show is probably the better way to explain it. But, you know, what, what can you do? It's, it's just what it is. Uh, and the secondary corollary to that is kind of the idea of the matrix. Because I've had this kind of uh, also this philosophical fear and... It's kind of strange, but, you know, maybe not. That uh, kind of the reality I'm living in is not like the real reality. This is more like a dream. And then that dream I might wake up from, and then there's this kind of greater context to where I am. Like, in the instance of the Matrix, kind of spoilers, but, uh, you know, you wake up and you're living this, like, nightmarish hell of robots and stuff like that, you know, controlling everything. And everyone else is sleeping, you know, in this kind of hive AI sort of mind thing. But... Uh, it wouldn't even have to be that necessarily, you know. Uh, it could just be the fact that you, in this higher reality or whatever, you went to this, like, virtual reality space, you know. You went there just for fun, and this so happens that there, it condenses time in some sort of weird way. And now you just woke up from that, and now you're in this different context, and you're just essentially waking up from a dream. And, and that kind of freaked me out, too, because then you start questioning whether the stuff you're seeing is actually, you know, their real matters or anything to that effect. Mm-hmm. is that anything you've had any kind of thought experience with no i mean the the different reality thing yeah for sure like you could be in virtual reality and how many layers deep and all of that stuff but like again nothing nothing i can do about it so mm-hmm. what if there was a reality where like it felt like suffering felt good to people and like niceness felt bad so it was like a reverse world to what we're in now and you get dropped into that one and tried to live like a good person in our world and it made you like the most evil thing in the world in that world that'd be really cool (laughs) okay i was following up until like the last part there just like that'd be real cool well, it'd be, it'd be a cool, like, movie or something where, like, the whole time they're trying to live their life, like, really nice. And then, mm-hmm. like, there's that plot twist where they're, like, find out that they're actually completely evil. And that could be, like, an, a metaphor for people who are mentally disturbed, who don't, who, like, can't have, who, like, think that they're being good, but really they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's most people, though. Most people, they always find a way to rationalize what they're doing is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think most people do, but I think when people are being bad, they know deep down that they are. Mm-hmm. They're just not willing to admit it to themselves, and somebody else, they a lot of times need somebody else to to come in and do that. Yeah, yeah, well, I agree with that. I, I think my main thing is that I would argue the rationalization is a function of them knowing something's bad. Mm-hmm. Like I've had conversations with people and. People know just how to deflect and how to like re- refocus and how to uh, avoid and, or I don't even know what it is, but they are very, very t- technically savvy in 
get in conversation to avoid the blame on themselves or to redirect the blame or to do something else, right? And it, it kind of does lend credence to the idea that they know what's down there is fault, but also I think they also believe their their the rationalizations too, and that's the problem. Like like they kind of have both there, and the rationalizations will get just get more extreme a lot of times when when questioned. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely seen that too, and I think that a lot of people will say like if you're like, well, you were a jerk to them, and they'll say, yeah, but blah blah blah. It's like, well, that yeah, but is kind of irrelevant because if they were mean to you, that's a reflection of them, not you. And how you react is what reflects you. So if you mm. choose to be a dick back, like you're still being a dick, mm-hmm. even if you feel like they deserve it, you're still being a dick. Yeah. And you need to be able, you need to be willing to accept that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something that we, we definitely are on the same page with because I'm of the opinion that it, you're, you can be a dick, right? You know, you can act like an asshole. You can do something that's entirely self-serving. Or you can, you know, get something for yourself and fuck all the others. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but I think you just need to be honest about it. Like, just saying, you know, fuck those people. I'm, I'm taking this for me. Or, you know, yeah, like you would. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or you, mm-hmm. you, you could say, you know, this person acted like a dick to me. Uh, I might normally uh, act pleasant or try to understand the circumstance. I was pissed off, so I acted like a dick, and I was a total dick. Mm-hmm. I was a dicky, dicky, dick. Would I take it back? I would say yes, just to be nice, but no, I wouldn't. Fuck that person. I'm a dick. Are you speaking specifically now? Uh, I don't think so, but m- maybe. Okay. It felt like you were veering towards a very specific instance. Can I think of an instance like that? Probably, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I, I came to some sort of conclusion a while ago that uh, it's okay for me to be like act badly uh to some degree or maybe not act badly not always try to be the good, good, good person that, that's fine i have to accept that because mm. otherwise you just get into the habit of just rationalizing everything or not doing anything or just being trampled on i don't know mm. i don't know we're gonna agree to disagree okay that's that sounds like a much bigger conversation happy halloween, halloween. uh last thing i think of unless you have any more thoughts on that nope so last thing to think of, and this is a very specific one to me. Uh, thankfully, it's not one I have anymore, but this is kind of fucked up. Uh, so I was raised a Christian. And so there was two fears that were instilled in me by my grandmother. She was super religious. She thought everything was from the devil, uh, like Led Zeppelin, rock music. I guess Led Zeppelin is rock music. Uh, Pokemon, um, and distorted guitars. I mean, I, I guess mean, it's she's all right. right so far. Yeah. It just, it so just, far, you just said rock music over and over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Halloween, dressing up. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Any, anything that's not like Christian or not her type of Christian too was, uh-huh. was uh, demonic. But anyway, got these very, very long lectures about hell and how terrible it was. So growing up, I had like a huge fear of hell because it did not sound very fun. Like, mm-hmm. like, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of harp on the fact that through Jesus, you can get all your sins forgiven and then not, nothing really matters. And they kind of do that to kind of get people to come in, it seems. But, uh, it, it, when they're talking about doing bad things, they kind of make it seem like that's irreparable and you will go to hell for that. So 
kind of those weird dichotomies, but I was very uh, fearful of the concept of hell. So, you know, I tried to be good and everything like that. And then uh, started kind of asking questions about heaven and then uh, get to heaven. And it sounded really great at first. It was like a paradise, you know, you have your own mansion with gold and you get, uh, you know, food. You can hang out with people that you knew during your life. You can uh, play games, you know, essentially do whatever. I guess it's a whole like whole thing you can do. Uh, and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. And it's like, and then in the end, what happens is there's a feast. God gets all of his followers together and they sit at a table and there's a feast and the feast lasts forever. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, the feast lasts forever. And like, like, like my grandmother put that in a way it's supposed to sound nice. But I was terrified for like, months and months with that because it's like that sounds terrible like a feast that lasts forever i don't want to be eating that long like that sounds that sounds why why would i want to do that the fear of heaven the fear the fear of heaven i think it's the fear of an unending dinner right <laughs> you know every dinner with my family feels like <laughs> the unending dinner listen i could do That's- 20 minutes an hour Maybe even two hours, right? You go crazy. Whoa. <laughs> right? That, that's a long dinner. But Dang, you, you're at a buffet. You, you have dinner for a day. You're sick of it, right? If you're forced to have dinner for like weeks and weeks on ends, whatever. Infinity? Holy shit. I mean, that has to be metaphorical, right? Like the idea of having a, a, a table of plenty that never ends is not like literally you're mm-hmm. eating nonstop. It's like you have what you need forever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so... I think I can agree with what you're saying, uh-huh. and, and also would I'm say. I'm sure that's not how it was pitched to you, but <laughs> no, no, it's pitched very literally. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and I get that back then, like food was not very plentiful, and people found the idea of just having unlimited food just to be the best thing they could ever have, right? I mean, that and maybe like you know hardcore sex, but. To, to someone in the modern day who has lots of food, that, mm-hmm. what's, what's the point of that? And my, my like, I don't know, seven-year-old brain just can't, wouldn't be able to comprehend the idea of that being a metaphor, especially. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So uh, unending dinners, uh, that's a phobia of mine. If you had to have an unending dinner, what would be served? <laughs> what would be the, the, would it be steak? I think so. But here's the problem. Whatever it is, if it, if it doesn't change, like on an hourly basis, that's going to be even worse. Like what if it's steak for the rest of eternity? Now you hate yeah. steak. I know. And Pepin's heaven becomes a cow's hell. <sighs> Jeez. You'll be served to Pepin for all eternity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so those were two of my, my, my old fears, uh, general thoughts on kind of those topics. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were heavily influenced by, um, by you know, other people, and uh, kind of took things to to eleven, uh, and some of the some of the thoughts there to like picturing, like not taking yourself out of context. So it's you right now eating forever, and not like you in an ethereal form eating forever, which I think would be very different, where you're never full. And it never, like, the tastiness of it never changes and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I think I think there it's definitely it was definitely less nuanced. Uh, and then the the Matrix and all that stuff. I think everybody's had those thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, especially since if they've seen the movies, then they definitely have had at least the thought of like what if. And I think that's super normal. Uh, but what it comes down to is like what if. Well, mm-hmm. what if? Like there's nothing I can do about it, so let's just keep going. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately that's kind of a way to deal with a lot of these different phobias and fears too is you admit that you don't have control over it and what are you going to do right mm-hmm. and it, it's uh we i believe that's called exposure therapy and so well, actually no, exposure therapy is pushing yourself to actually experience those things which yeah. is the most effective form of it i believe of kind of treating fears and anxieties uh, but you know, ultimately, you know, it, it's like you just have to admit that there's that negative aspect. But you know, either you avoid it your whole life, or you don't. And if you if you do, there's gonna be some negative stuff there. It's like not it's not necessarily that things are gonna go away, but you know, just gotta deal with it. Unfortunately, uh, with with that said, everything is very nuanced. There are definitely a lot of medical sort of psychological factors at play. And who knows what the right answer is for any particular individual. So definitely see a registered psychiatrist or psychologist or, you know, whoever to for real medical advice, because it could just be the case that maybe there's something in your brain that's just out of whack and need some sort of medication to uh, fix that or need some sort of this quick little, you know, I don't know, past history sort of thing to be revisited. It's always hard to say. So. Don't, don't take anything that we're saying here as being truth because it's probably not my biggest fear is man bear pig man bear pig yeah i'm afraid he's gonna come into my house and eat all my pudding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a very very serious fear uh, which part are you most f- afraid of the man the bear the pig or the lack of pudding uh, definitely, it's none of those. It's the fear that Al Gore is going to come in after him. You know, that is something I, I didn't consider, but that is very scary. He's like, going to eat all my internet. Did you know the internet's a series of tubes? <laughs> Nate, we need to talk. 